Well, you're here. I'm here. Joanna Johnson. Really nice to see you, isn't it? Very nice to see you. Let me fix this a little bit. There we go. Uh, Joanna, you you also have a podcast. Uh, And by the way, anybody anybody who wants to get a hold of my friend uh, Joanna, you can do so on Twitter. Seems to be your kind of favorite mo. Um, Which is TikTok is really where I kind of hit it in the first place. That's where you, you, you rose to educational fame. But kind of, I mean, I got trapped in my house, yeah. but yeah. And then, and then I, so I started that on TikTok, and then I just started yeah. thinking, cause I've had a Twitter account for a long time. I never used it. To be honest, I didn't know how to use it for about seven years. So I just kind of sat there and then, and then I'm like, well, I'll just start posting stuff randomly. Yeah. Um, and then that like and it took off and. Yeah. Yeah. Look at you. Like hundreds of millions of views in the last, I don't know, a couple of years. I, I, I couldn't imagine I'm not on TikTok uh, for obvious reasons. Uh, I'm, <laughs> <I'm 50. laughs> you should. Be. Well, it's just, it seems like I know it just seems like, you know, you hear all these uh, stories about Chinese collusion and, you know, uh, listen, uh, communist listen. party this. And, and then I'm like, eh, I'm not going to bother. And then and then everybody's talking about the engagement they get on Twitter and stuff like Sorry, to, on uh, TikTok. And I'm like. Yeah. And then I see the videos that people put on TikTok and they're like, you got to be like between the ages of 16 and 35 for anybody to take you seriously on TikTok I'm, or at least look as cool as you. So. <laughs> Listen, for let's let's talk about the, the Chinese, yeah. uh, the country or the whatever. Communist Party. It's a, not, not the country. It's the Communist Party. Yes. Look, they get it. Yeah. If it. And first of all, let's also admit that every government, including the United States, they've all taken all my information already. I, mm-hmm. Do Am I deluded in thinking TikTok is the bastion of, of intercepting all of my deepest, darkest? No, no. no. Look, half of my healthcare information, I think, was just leaked by somebody all over the goddamn place. So what do I? What am I? Oh, was it really? That's exciting. Hey, when your healthcare information gets leaked, <laughs> that's a, I mean, it's just a, just, a, uh, just a Tuesday. You don't know what's happening with the Internet, but you seem to know what you're doing. You're uh, an educator. You're an influencer. I don't know if you started out doing this, by the way. Unlearn 16, Unlearn 16 tweet is your handle on Twitter, yes. not where you're at on TikTok. Where are you at? On Unlearn TikTok? 16 on TikTok, Unlearn 16 on Instagram. Yeah. And then my podcast is Unlearn 16 classes in session. Classes in session. Um, l- listen, where where are you? Where are, are you? Uh, a Toronto girl? Ajax. I don't even know where you are. You're what's that? Ajax. You're in Ajax. Yeah. Beautiful Ajax. Okay, so we're both GTA people. I'm Mark. Yes. I'm not too far. Right. A uh, bit of a borough, and you're a teacher. How long have you been a yes. teacher for? Twenty one years. You've been a teacher. You look like you're 25. <laughs> it's just the hair <laughs> and the pimple. I seem to have gotten today. Um, yeah. Every once in a while, I just get a pimple to make everybody think that I'm, you know, 22. 22. Um, yeah. 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 No, 21. They don't years. stop, by the way, Joe. They don't stop the pimples. Like, I'm 50 stop. and Listen, I pushed something I out of my face last older. week that was huge. So I, I don't, don't even know. Getting old. I, I do think acne should stop. You know, I think there should be a trade off. I get older, yeah. my back hurts. I don't get pimples anymore. That should mm-hmm. be the exchange of goods there. Anyways. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not. As as yeah. someone riding into 50, um, I can tell you this is that it takes me longer to get to the bathroom. It <laughs> takes me less time to go to the bathroom and I still get zits. We're the I same just, age, I think. What, what yeah. I'm 48. How? 73. Oh, I'm so you're so I'm 50. Years. I'm two yeah. years older than you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's funny. There's two years difference, but it looks like there's two decades difference on it, the screen. Right look, now. it's it's 
We almost have the same hair, to be honest. Accept it. Accept it. You just are a young 48. Into it. Yeah, it's yeah. All the, it's all the teenagers I work with every day. Yeah. So you teach high school? Is that the deal? Yeah. Well, I teach. Metro goes from grade seven to grade 12. So we're a little bit different of a private school. It is a very small private school I've worked at my entire career. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a little bit different in that capacity because obviously most high schools, nine to 12, but um, the grade seven and eights, I've always felt like the grade seven and eights, um, they're too smart for elementary. They might not quite be, you know, obviously the conversations that happen in high school, I'd like to protect them from a little bit, but let's be mm. honest, we're, who the hell's protecting anybody from anything when they have a smartphone in their hand. So Correct. you might as well jump right in and, you know, they're very intelligent, very capable. Have you seen, let me ask you something as a teacher, before we get into some of the content that you do and, and some of your advocacy and education stuff. Uh, you've been uh, obviously around and teaching pre-smartphone, pre-BlackBerry, pre-iPhone. What do you notice the difference in the in the values or the attention span? Like how how much how much more difficult is it to fight for a teenager's educational attention at this point as opposed to like 15, 20 years ago? I don't think much different. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, she's a liar. I'm like, kids have never had a good attention span. It's built into their physiology. It's built into their the way their minds are progressing, right? And back mm-hmm. in the, you know, 20 years ago when I was a teacher, fine, they didn't have a smartphone, but but you have to sort of be able to deal with a phone in the classroom. I don't ban them completely because I feel like it's part of my job to teach them how to be responsible with it, just like everybody else. You know what I mean? So understanding as a kid, when you can use that phone, when it's useful, when they need to look up something really quickly, that's useful. When we're talking Mm -hmm. about something I have no idea about, which happens often, they can look up pieces of it and we can raise it and then kids can fact check it. That's invaluable. Invaluable. Um, Kids 20 years ago, would be just as distracted. They'd be distracted by notes. They'd be distracted by a piece of lint falling down on the wall. Like if a kid has that potential, they're going to be distracted regardless. And then back 20 years ago, nobody talked about ADD. Nobody talked about mental health. Nobody talked about all of those other things kids are dealing with. So all of those kids sort of micromanaged or, or uh, that's not even the right word. They, they manage their own issues separately and yeah. we didn't even talk about them, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, that kid just doesn't pay attention because they're a bad kid. Get out of the classroom. Like, that's how it was handled 20 years ago. Meanwhile, you know. That kid needs medication. Just go yes. get him some medication. He'll be a better student. Yeah, yeah, or yeah. Or they were self-medicating back then, which yeah. they still do to some degree. But yeah. back then, you know, if they were self-medicating with God knows what, um, you know, we would get on them about that. In retrospect, I'd be like – I. At this point, I'm like, oh, my God, they were just battling depression or they were battling a level of anxiety or they were battling all of these things that people think have just sprung up all of a sudden. They haven't sprung up all of a sudden. We just ignored them before. Mm-hmm. We, we mm-hmm. placed that blame on the kid. We placed that blame on the parent or whatever we did. And then we shuffled them out, out of the classroom or out of the academic classrooms or whatever the hell we did in order to make a better, you know, seemingly learning environment for the good kids that we've deemed good kids. Um, mm. Anybody on the spectrum, we just, out you go, right? Yeah, they went to the they went to the class in the library with all the other kids and they weren't given a diagnosis or an individual learning plan. None of that That's stuff. Like, yeah, yeah, it. yeah. I mean, and, 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 and you know, it's, it's funny talking to you about that because it kind of opens up a whole new, 
avenue of conversation when we're going to kind of lean into some cultural stuff today. But we're seeing the resurgence of that ignorance, are we not? We're seeing yeah. the resurgence of, of legitimately with the Save the Children thing. And we'll get to what happened in Alberta yeah, yesterday because yeah. there's a great example of it. Same. I know. Um, but but are we not seeing our return to yeah, the of bottling of dealing with any psychopathy or any issues that children have? Are we not seeing that with the whole, you know what, I don't want gendered studies in my class. I don't want a teacher teaching my children anything. I want to be the last line of defense of the person that mandates that education and all the decisions around my children. Is that not what we're seeing? Well, we always see a pendulum, right? We see this big push mm -hmm of progress. And then you always see a pushback. We're dealing with the pushback. It happened during the civil rights movement. It happened during integration of black students into their, um, you know, into their classroom. We see it when we talk about different uh, religious values being able to be expressed and kids carry it into the classroom. We see that with indigenous studies and indigenous language. We see that all over the place. Mm. So this pushback is just you know, when people say history repeats itself, well, obviously it does. It does, but in slightly different ways, but the same mentality is used time and time again. Whatever's not mm -hmm. okay today, whatever that pushback is going to be, um, you are going to hear it. And it's always going to be under the same auspice of I'm protecting my kids. I get to control my kids. I get to say what's what to my kids. And those exact same arguments were used when you talked about a black student sitting beside your white kid. Exact same arguments when they chuck things at, you know, Ruby Bridges when she was six years old trying to walk into grade one. It's the exact same dynamic. And, and make no mistake, it'll be pushed back. It will be pushed back, but they'll have their time in the sun right now as they give a bit of a shove and they pass all these parent rights. And I advocate for parents' rights. It's not that I say parents shouldn't have a right, but I'll tell you something that's crystal clear, crystal hmm. clear. An involved, healthy relationship of parent and child, guess what? Those parents are never taken aback by what's going on in school. Those parents are never shocked by who their kid is and how they're presenting or who they're hanging out with. Cause guess what? They are involved parents, period. The parents that get the most upset <laughs> are the ones who don't have a relationship with their kids because they think that they're being ratted on. <laughs> and they never check. Like right now, everything's online, right? Like everything's yeah, yeah, online. Yeah. If a parent wants to know what I'm doing in my classroom, my curriculum's on my online, my homework's online, my assignments online, everything is there. So when somebody calls in or it doesn't really happen anymore. I mean, I work and I work very hard to have relationships with all of the parents. But but when that happens and they're like blown away by it, I'm my my issue is, have you looked online? Oh, no, you've never looked online. Oh, you've never come to a parent's night. Oh, you've never come to the school and seen. No. Oh, now I get it. Now you want ultimate control, but you don't want any actual physical responsibility. You want more mm. of a, you know, just don't talk about what I talk about kind of thing. We've seen that. We've seen this with sex education, too. And Doug Ford. <laughs> Pulling us yeah, when he when he blasted the uh, the liberal sex curriculum, which was really, really advanced and progressive. Right. Yes. When uh, Kathleen Wynn was in power and Dalton McGinty, say what you like about how criminal he is. But I don't want to get into that. Um, there, there was this progressive attitude of education in the province of Ontario. We're like, hey, we need to allow people to understand 
what uh, the community is all about. The 2SLGBTQIA sure. uh, community. Listen, yeah, all, all of that stuff. Getting a little long. We got yeah, yeah. to reel it in, but I, yeah. I get it. I get the you, you need a shorter acronym. It's just Pretty way too. easier to, to write. That's all Pretty you need. Soon. We can just say, listen, we're going to exclude the word F. We're going to exclude the word F. That's not in it. Maybe mm-hmm. if we just say what letters aren't in it, it'd be easier. Um, kind of, but yeah, Doug Ford went right back to 19, what, 98? Are mm-hmm. we joking? We mm-hmm. don't think we know more about um, sex ed curriculum, sexual and mental health today, 23 years later? No, we don't want that. And if anybody bothered to read the curriculum, the curriculum that he, that he brought down, and he only brought it down because it served his voting base, who also didn't read the curriculum, he brought down things like in grade one, you identify body parts. They don't that's want to do that. It. That's it. That's all we, that's all the curriculum stipulated. And then by like grade three, and I think this is insanely important. And anybody who doesn't think this insanely is insanely important. I think the calls are coming from inside the house. You talked about consent. You talked about your body, your control over your body as a grade, you know, as a grade one, two, three kid. Yes. And how you have control and nobody else in your life should be able to do things and and um, to your body without your consent, including your parents. There we go. Anybody that's against that to me, uh, I'm going to you say, should check their browser. Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm being 100%. serious, too. Well, I don't even see- like. Like See, hold, hugging kids without their consent. I won't do totally. that to little kids, right? I'll always yeah. ask them, is it okay? Isn't that a beautiful thing to ask? Doesn't that yeah. make sense in order to safeguard those kids from actual predators somewhere else? It makes perfect sense to me. I don't understand the opposite argument. I've never heard an opposite argument other than they're my kids. They're my property. They're my whatever. Well, and and, and let's, let's get into that because like, you know, when we stand up for the rights of children, which we have digitally, publicly, verbally on our podcast, on your podcast, you do it online. I think there are plenty of progressive people who are, you know, understand common sense and understand that what, what's going on behind this, this push to keep certain children from certain backgrounds and certain homes completely ignorant yeah. and, to, and to tape their mouths shut. Where do you think that comes from? Because yeah. I happen to know where it comes from yeah. because I'm from a born again religious home. I understand the abuse that happens in religious homes, but there are other reasons behind it. And I'm going to get into some of the branches of the tree of Abrahamic faiths and, uh, you know, different religious uh, orders that demand that your children not be exposed to pictures cartoon pictures of a penis that your kids not be exposed to any education about gender fluidity or identification. Um, But it's bigger than that. It's not just about, you know, the fear that they have that being exposed to that information might negatively affect the way the family lives and operates. Right. Mm -hmm. But there's a real children's rights. um, Isn't that a great question? Everybody keeps talking about parents' rights. Where the hell is anyone talking about a child's right? Where, where Explain is that? that. Explain what? why they're afraid of their children having their own rights. Listen, I think I, I walk a very fine line and I say this often because I, I 
want to, and I do have respect for personal faith. You can have whatever faith you want in your home. And I have nothing, I have friends who are very religious across all different denominations. You can have whatever faith in your home you wish to have. And if you're so driven by that faith, then you take your child and you send them to, again, whatever religious teaching, whatever private school that you wish to send them. My problem is whether it be your faith or whether it just be your way of life or whether it be, you know, what you think should be in the educational system, you don't have the right to use that to circumvent a public education that has been researched by academics and um, child psychologists and developmental psychologists in order to build the appropriate educational tools and access points for a healthy, intelligent student. And as soon as you want to impart that or control the public education system, then I have a problem. Then I have a huge problem, right? Because education should all, everybody's like, education's so progressive. Yes. Did you want it to be regressive? What, who's sitting around going, we should be like, when they start talking about reading, writing, arithmetic, the hairs on my, the back of my neck stand up because what you're advocating is a lack of progression in education as we've gotten more intelligent, as we've gotten more information, as science has progressed, you want to negate that because you don't feel like it fits whatever box that you've tried to fit. And I'm going to say a second thing, and this is what parents, you know, some people won't love to hear. Good. Uh, I don't care what background you are. If your kid or any of their friends have a smartphone, or access to a computer in any place in their life, whatever you think you're stopping, you're not. So let's put it on the table, right? It's so much more dangerous for kids to be secretly sitting in a room with another eight-year-old trying to decide what this video is than it is for a healthy sort of um, age-appropriate step of educators and, and mental health practitioners and healthcare providers being able yeah. to address that in giving that information. I want them to be safe. I want them to have control over their own bodies and their own, you know, identity. I want them to be able to feel empowered. So if anybody crosses a line that they don't like, they're the first person to call them out on it. Who doesn't want that? Mm, that's accountability, right? It's accountability there and doing what's right for the child. And uh, what yeah. the, the child has rights. We have a bill of rights. Children have their own rights set aside from mm. their parents. And this entire movement is about making sure that that gets revoked, that a yeah. child's rights sit with the parent, child's safety right. rights and educational rights. And keep in mind, as you point out, you're talking about parents that are not teachers. They're not educated people. They're not individuals who are like you know what, I've got a degree in history or music, right. or technology, or I, I studied STEM. None of that stuff. You're talking right. about plumbers, lawyers, doctors, maybe, probably not, because you can't be that smart and believe in any of this shit. Let me just kind of point to something real quick. This is Danielle Smith yesterday. Oh. I won't bore you with the details. She is the premier of a, of a theocratic party called the UCP. <laughs> they just changed their... They just changed their uh, MO yesterday. I was actually uh, texting with David Parker, the guy who's in charge of Take Back Alberta today. He's really right. excited by that. So, uh, yesterday, she announced one of her policies was that parents are literally the law 
when it comes to any children's rights I don't in the even province. understand how that works, but go ahead. Yeah. Well, let, let me play the video, and then we'll not understand it together. I want every parent listening today to hear me loud and clear. Parents are the primary caregivers and educators of their children. a successful province or a successful society without strong and nurturing families. And regardless of how often the extreme left undermines the role of parents, I want you to know that parental rights and choice in your child's education is and will continue to be a fundamental core principle of this party and this government, and we will never apologize for it. All right. All right. I, I, I know what I think, but I didn't invite you on this podcast to give you my thoughts. But your thoughts as a teacher listening to the poorly educated premier of an entire province say that, hey, by the way, we're giving all of your child's rights to you and we're cutting fucking everybody out of it. Two things. She didn't say please. She said nothing. She said absolutely nothing uh, in that little. She waited for her to be, you know, clapped uh, at for uh, 10 minutes. And then she said parental rights. Uh, the reason why I said she said nothing, does that mean a parent, any parent, because she gives no parameters, could raise their hand and say, I don't want evolution in my kid's school? I That's a parental so. right, isn't it? Would yeah. a parent be able to say, listen, um, I don't want any visible minorities in the class with my school. Whoa, wait a minute. Isn't Alberta where G James Keekster was from? I want teachers to be able to teach. If, if, if a teacher wants to teach that the Holocaust was an exaggeration and parents agree with him? Are we now creating classes that mirror that? Or is the only thing this woman is talking about is when it comes to identity of those kids and the LGBTQ plus community? Is that the only thing? Because if that's the only thing she talk, she's talking about, then say it, Danielle Smith. But you know, you can't say it because if you actually said it, if you actually painted any sort of line, you would be shut down so quickly by your own constitution, you wouldn't be able to talk anymore. So what does she do? She keeps it general and throws out these ridiculous grand statements that mean nothing but could mean absolutely everything if what she's saying has any sort of validity. If parents have the absolute right, then as a parent, I can be as bigoted, as hateful, as wrong, as educationally limited as I wish to be. And my kid's school needs to reflect that. How the hell is that going to work, Dean? As always, the Dean Blundell Show is brought to you by our friends at factcheck.io. Factcheck.io, do you believe? The good people at Factcheck are a quorum of software professionals, psychological professionals, journalists that have been very busy building some software so that you can fact check anything that you read. It doesn't matter if it's got a URL, you'll be able to fact check it. Alternative sources, origins, whether or not it was an organic or inorganic campaign, whether or not you can trust the people that are putting out the information and alternative sources. And there's going to be a weapon button too, where you can turn that information around and put it back out there accurately to combat disinformation. The good people at factcheck.io are right now testing their beta version 
of their free program. Yes, it will be free for anybody who wants to use it. They want to battle disinformation because it is a problem. Go to factcheck.io today. F-A-K-T-C-H-E-K.io. F-A-K-T-C-H-E-K.io. The world's most robust fact-checking disinformation software for news, social media, video, print, anything spoken word. These people are on the tip and they use some of the finest software technology to be able to give you the advantage when it comes to getting agency back in your life, when it comes to information that you read. Go to factcheck.io today for more information. Sign up for the beta test, F-A-K-T-C-H-E-K.io. The Dean Blundell Show is brought to you by factcheck.io. Factcheck.io, makers of the world's most comprehensive fact-checking software, that have been very busy building some software so that you can fact check anything that you read. It doesn't matter if it's got a URL, you'll be able to fact check it. Alternative sources, origins, whether or not it was an organic or inorganic campaign, whether or not you can trust the people that are putting out the information so that you can give yourself agency over information in the age of disinformation. Again, want to beta test their product? They're going to launch it in the next month or two. Go to factcheck.io today. F-A-K-T-C-H-E-K. Io. Back to the show. Mike, to, to your point, they're saying not only uh, do I want you to tailor make uh, some kind of curriculum for my child in a school where everybody goes there, but I also want to be in charge of what is being taught even in that tailor made project, right? Even in the idea that my, you're, I'm sending my kid to school, but you're going to teach him exactly or her exactly, exactly. what I want you to teach them. It is asinine and it, and she knows it and everybody knows it. It's just serving this little, nice little tagline, um, you know, soundbite clip where I say parents are in charge. No, you're not. You're not. Listen, my mom has never been afraid of me going to school and getting more information and learning more things. And my mom has always been a very active person in my education. We talked about when I was in high school, well, I talked less in high school because let's be honest, nobody talks to their parents then. But in university, we had these long car rides where I would talk about feminist theory that by the way, back in the day, my mom would be like, I don't like it. I don't agree with it. We would argue about it all the way to London. Um, we talked about different historical theories, different um, socioeconomic theories, things that my mom never understood or never knew. I would raise them. She would question them. That's what education is supposed to look like. My mom never once worried that the values she's instilled in me would somehow be challenged by an external source. I'll tell you why. Because if values can't be challenged from home and withstand, maybe those values should crumble anyways because they're not good, they're not ethical, they're not moral. And she yeah. understood that. Right. She really well, and that hold it. And that's to your point, uh, Joanna, to your point. You know, I said that I say this to my kids all the time. Right. Like all the time. Guys, if there is something untowards going on in this house, please tell somebody sure. like you have full permission to talk to anybody, you know, save financial issues or financial stuff or like, you know, personal things. But don't like be releasing uh, my bank statement, kids. But. Yeah, yeah. Don't take my T4s to school for show and tell, please. But um, my kids are under the under the 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 uh, under the impression that if it's not right, you can go talk about it. And if something's not right in your life, you have the right to go and tell somebody about it because your rights, your comfortability, 
your security is just as important as mine, right? Yeah. And so if you have nothing to hide, you're okay with your child talking to anybody really about anything, especially yeah. a teacher or a trusted individual. So there behind the door of those vague statements, that's what I'm interested in, right? Because we've seen an entire movement. We've seen idiots run across the country talking about how they want to be the people that are in charge of telling their teacher how their child is going to be taught, what they're going to be taught, it what they don't have to be taught, all that other shit. Right. But what is behind that door? Is it is it religiosity? Is it doctrine? Is it the fear? Like, what are they afraid of? It's control. Other than their kids talking. Like, w explain that to me, because to me, it's all about driving fear. It's all it's about, always, hey, listen, always about we don't want people talking yeah. about the shit that's going on behind our closed doors. We yeah. don't want our children that's being exposed one. to gender theory. Nothing. Explain that, that to me. In my opinion, that's a big one. It's all fear driven. It is fear driven on the front end when you talk about things like, sure, I want to protect what's going on. Like, if there's anything dodgy going on, I don't want my kid talking about it by the way your kids always talk about it you the quickest thing kids do in school is call out their parents is call out their family members is say oh my, my mom you know we we at some point totally that's like, all those parents are like it. you know what if we have a law that says their kids aren't allowed to talk to their <laughs> teachers they won't talk to the teachers that is fucking hilarious to me because not only are they talking to their teachers, they're telling all their friends about how stupid you are or Listen, what you did to piss them off yesterday. When I was talking, I haven't helped me. Sometimes I have to teach phys ed. I mean, I hate it. I don't. It's unenjoyable. Zero, ten stars. Yes, yeah, my favorite class. I crushed phys ed. Of Joe. course. Like, and, and I love that kids love it so much and they want me to teach yeah. it. But heaven help me. But when I get to the health part and we're all yeah. I mean, it's always very segmented and we always end up talking about addiction and mental health and what alcoholism is and what drug addictions looks like prescription. Now, now, now we've sort of involved prescriptions and all of that kind of stuff. When I get to the alcohol part and we just go through, we just go through the basics of addiction and what that looks like and what the level, like what an addict is. And guys. start going up. Everybody's selling. Everybody's like my mom. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't, don't talk about your mom. I'll have parents come in and goes, did my kid just tell you I was an alcoholic? I'm like, listen, um, this was the definition yeah. of alcoholism. And, and all parents look at it and goes, huh, maybe. I don't <laughs> <laughs> anybody who's Seriously, like, I don't understand why they think that, hey, if there's a law, then that'll shut my kid right up. No, listen, your kid watches you model behavior. He goes to school. She goes to school. Little Susie, little Jimmy. They will tell a trusted teacher and their entire friend group about your shit all also, the time. Let's, let's embrace the fact. I love that everybody thinks somehow I'm manipulating, controlling, you know, um, creating these little tiny. I would love that you think I have that much power. Yeah. Every once in a while, they care maybe about the shoes I'm wearing, but that's about it. They care in high school, as every developmental psychologist will tell you, as they're supposed to, because it's the age where they're supposed to differentiate and sort of, you know, create some sort of individualization. They care about what their friends say. They mm -hmm. care about what their friends say, what their friends think, what their friends talk about, what their friends challenge them to do. If they cared what I said, trust me, they'd remember their pen. They'd, you know... Um, take great notes. They finish their assignments on time. They, all of those things would happen, but they don't because a teenager cares about what their friends talk about. So all of this bull crap also about parents 
and teachers having this great control over the mind of a teenager is also ridiculously uneducated or purposefully uh, misdirected. So when their kid goes wrong, right, when their kid does something they don't like or they don't approve of, they can point a finger at the teacher rather than, you know, whatever's going on in, in their own home. But at the end of the day, they don't. Are they afraid that like gender studies are like a like a really robust gender studies course yes, will make them gay? Of course gay? they are. are they? Of course they I think yeah. they genuinely are. I think they're like just that it'll be opened up as a sexual option to them. Yeah. They don't want to even think, like understand they don't they don't want that. I right? think people and this is why when I you know, I, I look the way I look and a lot of people will assume that I'm trans, which I find an interesting assumption. I'm like, just because my hair's short and I wear baggy jeans doesn't make me trans. But if we talk about gender as sort of the presentation of characteristics that are traditionally assigned to each sex, technically, in my sort of perception and in a logical way, we are all trans because nobody is 100% masculine or 100% feminine as dictated or stipulated about those characteristics, right? So in that capacity, there is a fluidity about it. It doesn't mean there's a fluidity about whether or not people want and will have, let's say, sex change operations. That's something else, right? That's a different level and degree, whereas the the conversation about being trans is kind of like this umbrella term, this catch-all of many, many different forms of identity, Right. And then and you have things like, you know, uh, gender neutral pronouns and non-binary existing because kids are tired, I think. And it's true across the board. Kids could care less about this conversation, by the way. Literally, it would bore them to tears. What pronoun yeah. do you want to use? Cool. Can we do something fun? Like they could care less and it doesn't affect them in the least. So can I clear up a couple of myths here? Like yeah. in schools, you're not teaching children that they can decide or choose to be a different sex or they can choose to wear dresses or they can choose like you don't. It's because this is how the Save the Children morons present it. They present yeah. it like you're giving them sexual options. We do not want them to have You're You're convincing my child. And I get this all the time from the mouth breathers and the trolls and the alt-right yeah. lunatics. It's like you're telling people they can chop their junk off. You're telling my grade one kid about sex change. Like, is that, is it's that, so how, are you, are, is there recruiting? Is there sexual gender identity it, recruiting? It is so asinine. I almost want to make a joke about it, but I can't even make a funny joke about it because it, people actually believe this, right? Oh, yeah. By telling kids that certain people exist is not recruiting. By talking about civil rights movements across the board is not recruiting, is not convincing, is not brainwashing. By talking about the existence of different identities is not recruiting, is not brainwashing. Allowing a kid in your class who, let's say, um, uses a pronoun different from their sex born at birth is also not recruiting and not manipulating. It's just accepting who they are. And so the more that we go through this, right? And, and a lot of people are like, well, Joanna, what would you do? This is a big question, right? And I don't, I, listen, it's not a comfortable one. What would you do if a kid came up to you and said, Joanna, I want you to call me, let's say they were born a boy. Um, they were born male, but I, I'm going to go by she, her pronouns. But... 
don't tell my parents because if I go home and they find that out, um, I, I, I'll, you know, I won't be okay. Now that's Has never that happened. happened. It's okay. never happened to me. Never. Um, every, and I've taught quite a few different students at different stages of sort of expressing or coming to the understanding that they are trans or they may be trans or whatever the case may be. And every single step of the way, for me, parents have always been included because if a kid comes up to me and says, this is where my head's at, my first response is always, A, are you okay? B, let's talk to your parents. Let's talk to some, because they're always struggling with it usually. It's not this easy, everybody's think it's the easy thing I just do. No, 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 no. Let's, let's figure out who we can get to make sure that you're okay and you're you're talking about this. So we have, I've had talks with parents, I've had talks with therapists, I've had talks across the board. But if a kid tells me they can't go home because they're afraid, well, that's a really easy phone call to make, Dean, because I have to report that. If a kid is afraid to go home, the minute- It doesn't matter what they're afraid of, right? doesn't matter what they're afraid of. It could be an over, overtly religious parent who doesn't want them being exposed to something or expressing I any have, kind of identity issues. For, it could yeah, be abuse, anything. Yeah. I have to make that yeah. call. I have to make that call. As you should, as we all should. You know, and, and, I, and I find that to be the exclusionary, fascinating part of this there whole is. thing on it's behalf one of the thing. people. Oh, if they're going to beat them for, up because of this, it's okay? Is that yeah. okay? If but that's the whole idea, wasn't it? From the start, wasn't it? That was the whole idea from the start with this movement. I want to play uh, something that you did. Um, right. And it was about the Save the Children Parents Rights rant that you put on uh, TikTok and on Twitter. Again, this is uh, Joanna Johnson. You can follow her anywhere on TikTok, Twitter especially. Um, and you can go to unlearn at unlearn16 tweet uh, on both. That is the handle. But you, you laid it out educationally in like a two and a half minute round. I'm going to play this for you so you can catch your breath. Uh, and I want to educate people because it's what you do. You come at this not from an emotional perspective, but an educational perspective. So let's enjoy this together. This is Joanna on Parents' Rights. Let's watch. Right now, as I speak to you, One Million March for Children is going on downtown Toronto and across Canada. It's a parent right advocacy group who want more power in their hands because they want to control their children's education. To hell with actual child's rights. And they are advocating for the elimination of sexual orientation and gender identity in the curriculum. Now, a couple things I can promise you. Number one, there's not a million of them. But they really like exaggerating non-existent facts. So that's why they're running with that title. Number two, none of them have read the actual curriculum that they're challenging I promise you but as a teacher I'm gonna bring it to you so we can go through it together and hopefully reason and intelligence runs the day number one health and sex education are you eliminating this altogether you're just you're, you're believing that it's a parent's right to educate on this thing and and no school will talk about health or sex education ever again to hell with somebody's bodily autonomy or safety Okay, that's not going to work out well. Number two, world religions. I teach 12 major world religions. When I get to the indigenous spirituality section, I speak about two-spirited people. You you want me to just cross it right out? I got black marker. I got you. I got. When I get to the Hindu section, they speak about how gender is a socially constructed delusion. Should I rip that page out altogether? You you just want me to get rid of Hinduism. You don't you don't even like it. You just want me to get rid of Hinduism altogether because the association is a little too close. Understood. History. 
I teach history from a Canadian perspective. The legal and social history of minorities is a big, big chunk of it as they fought for equity and equality in our society. Now, do you just want me taking out the LGBTQ part or are we going to roll like Florida a little bit and you want me to take out all minority rights activisms because it somehow... Uh, bothers you in the day. I got it. Number four, politics. I also teach international political science in which I talk about different countries and their laws and regulations pertaining to different minority treatments, safe countries to go to, and revolutionary movements throughout. I just burned that whole, yeah, you guys, you do like burning books. So um, society, challenge and change. I speak a lot about Uh, discrimination, oppression, overcoming it, civil rights movements. I also speak about the social psychological development of all individual kids and how they're all varied and different. And no, you just want to talk about the way your kid develops and the way, no, the way you want your kid to develop. So you're looking for some straight and if you could just send me a template on how to teach that, that would be great. I'll just chuck this textbook out as well. Biology, same sex pairings. Do I just skip that section? Yeah, we don't want to incur. We don't want to say that it happens in the wild on the regular. Listen, I'm beginning to understand that you are just looking to create an educational system that follows your own brand of indoctrinization and you don't really care about child welfare or child health or actual child rights. You just care about creating what you want to create. Please sit down. When I listen to myself Beautiful. back, oh, I'm always like, oh, I stumbled on that word. Oh, I stopped. That wasn't good. Oh, I. Yeah, I always do that, too, where I listen to myself. I'm like, I, sound I try like not to listen that? to that. Are you yeah. kidding me? Yeah, I never listened back to these. But I mean, just a brilliant summary, right, is the a la carte nature that certain groups and lobby groups and religious groups and conservative groups. Uh, I mean, it, it's both spectrums, the poles, the extremes mm-hmm. uh, and how they're trying to press the rest of progressive society into this funneled stream of like a la carte education that protects any anybody in any of those groups from being educated. Yeah, that's it. Right. It's 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 about the education portion of this whole thing that they're saying, hey, listen, we we're really happy living in this weirdo bubble where we tell our children the earth is 7000 years old. And uh, when you die, you go to heaven or, you know, to Nirvana or wherever you've told your entire family and you've propagandized them into thinking that this is how we are and how we live. And this is your reality. Like education. I think you understand that at this point. Right. Everybody does with that has the ability to reason. The education piece is what they're all fighting, because the more ignorant they can keep their children, the more ignorant they can make their culture. The, the more they hang on to the radicalized belief systems. That's where I'm at. I'm also a real, like I get on the bully pulpit sometimes. I don't think we have a left or right or, or uh, issue. I think we have a stupid person issue because you legitimately have to be dumb to want to stay dumb, in my opinion. I use that word all the time. I, I, I will constantly talk about ignorance being very different than stupidity. And I will say ignorance is the idea that you need to learn, that you don't yet have the education or you don't have yet have the, let's say, worldly experience to understand a concept. We're all ignorant of something. I'm ignorant of many things, which is why I constantly am driven to try to talk to people that I don't agree with, that I don't initially think are right or that you know, if they can do it intellectually, stupid is a choice. Stupid is 
I know I'm ignorant. I like being ignorant. I'm going to ignore all facts to the contrary. I'm going to block all facts to the contrary for my children or for whoever I can control in my hemisphere. And I am going to stay with this lack of education and this lack of understanding. That's stupid. And I, I know some people are like, well, it's just, just a mean term. Well, no, it's not a mean term when somebody's chosen it. When somebody's chosen it, we need harsher terms to describe those individuals and negate the rights they think they have in order to ensure that more people stay stupid. And that's just it. I want it off the table altogether. Um, but I think fear is that you're right. Fear is the driving force. And there's no quicker way to make look. To make even, let's say, because I think there's way more good, amazing people on this planet than not. And I think if I can tap into your fear about something happening to your children, and we have seen this being done through war, we've seen this being done through religion, we've seen this being done yeah. through yeah. Every, genocide, right? Mm -hmm. This notion that I need to protect your kids, that they, whoever they are, are coming after your kids, that your life's going to be better if I can take care of them, yeah. right? People buy into that. And I don't just think because they're bad people. I think because genuinely speaking, we can get very wrapped up, speaking of anxiety, very wrapped up in anxiety feeling or anxiety laden feelings about protecting our families and protecting our kids. And it's this lovely little pressure point that you can push in order to get people to give you or to allow you to do whatever you want to do in order to protect that for me. Right. Yeah. It's how Trump got elected and, and people like, like the whole idea that I'm the only person standing between you and yes, your child being turned sure. into a secular non-binary uh, weirdo. Like, I mean, that's right. literally what they think. Yeah. yeah. So I think that that's a, it's a good play. It, yeah. And it's such a simplistic play. And, I, and I've just spent some time talking to a lot of people have asked, am I going to run? And I don't know. I mean, I, I, it's very hard for me to sit at a table. Politics? But, You're going to get into politics? Uh, Joe. Listen, <laughs> I, I would love nothing more than to stand across somewhere and put Polyev in his place. But maybe I can just come put Liche into his place anytime. You know, that well, would be and Listen, your, your platform here is unfettered. And you True. educate and more people thing, and have a right? bigger impact doing this. Plus, there's way fewer meetings. I'm not like, interested in getting limited. I'm not. I'm also not interested in somebody telling me what to say, which I know happens. Mm -hmm. um, but when I think about that, and I think about, let's say the right, okay. Yeah. And and again, this this doesn't go towards all people that have ever voted conservative or have conservative traditional ideologies in their heads. Listen, I can have respect for it. I don't. I don't understand it, but I can still respect the intelligent sort of stream of consciousness there. However, when you the conservatives have done a really good job as the Republicans in the United States of creating taglines of fear and oversimplifying everything to such a nauseating basic level that it gives the appearance that they have all the solutions and this is just the problem. Right. It gives the appearance of that. And anytime somebody from any other side of any political spectrum wants to sit down and say, wait, 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 you're, you're talking about what lowering taxes. Can we talk about the implications of that? What are you going to cut? Because you're going to have to cut some thump, something. Let's not sit down and think that you're just going to cut the gravy train. If I hear those words anymore, I'm going to lose my mind. You're not just going to cut the gravy train of politics. You're going to have to cut a social service. Which one are you going to cut?
Mm-hmm. That's the that's the complex nature of the way that a government has to run. Just like Danielle Smith saying, parents' rights. You guys have all the rights. Oh, no, 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 no. Hold on, Danielle. Yeah, what goes into that? You're right. Let's walk this out practically. How are you practically going to do that? If I'm a parent and I said, well, I would have loved to have somebody question her on this. If I put up my hand, I said, I don't want Holocaust education in my schools anymore. I'm a parent. My right? Are we good there? If I put up my hand and all of those things that I listed, of course not. Of course not. So... Cool. Let's get into the nitty gritty. But the problem is we do have a society and I think it's hilarious. We talk about our our teenagers having a limited attention span because I don't think they do any more so than their parents because their parents really want to hear. I am going to lower your taxes and you are going to get the same social services you've always gotten in this province or in this country. Vote for me. And there's a bunch of adults who believe that garbage tagline or desperately want to believe that tagline, right? And nobody wants to have the actual interesting, very interesting, by the way, and complex and nuanced conversation about how we achieve that. So when parents say, my kid doesn't have an attention span, my question is, when's the last time you listened to a monk debate, let's say, on the benefits of, you know, right versus left ideological thinking. No, you never have. You you just heard that Doug Ford was going to give you back the money on your license plate and you're good to go. Oh, yeah. Just appeal to self-interest with something really simple. Like uh, like you get $80 back from your license plate sticker this year. Like, Over so two years, that's <laughs> $1.2 billion he cut out. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, my God. But it's easy Nobody. to sell to stupid people. This is my problem. And I, we've got these shirts in the crier store. It's stupid people equal the new pandemic. And I'm a firm believer in that. Yeah. Is that stupid people, you can literally, to a to an afraid, to someone who you've put the fear of God in, yeah. someone who is not smart enough to be able to reason or critically apply thought or critical thought to any situation in their lives, or the compounding interest of any decision as it affects society around you, yeah. those people don't care. Right. We're in this incredibly selfish time when, you know, the, the idea that what you might do might save your 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 marginalized neighbor doesn't matter to a large swath of people in this country. And those are the same people that have issues with pronouns. And I want to pivot to that because I need to understand it. I'm of the school and I've had a very steep education. Uh, over the past several years. But I'm of the school that if you want to be called a certain name, I will call you that name. If you identify as something, it is no skin off my back. It doesn't matter to me. If you are he, she, they, Jim, Bob, Sally, Ahmed, doesn't matter. I could care less. You tell me what you want. So if it's that easy for me to understand a very binary subject of like, what is your name? What do you want me to call you? Jim, Nuanda, he, she. Why is this such a hot button for people that like, cause listen, it is inconsequential what someone wants to be called in my life. I don't care. I'll call you whatever you want, but why is it so consequential to people who say they don't believe in these things? Can you explain that to me and how do they even work? I think, I think that stereotypes, stereotypes, forget prejudice, forget, forget negative. Okay. Just stereotypes in general that the human brain has been very much taught to work on, look at a person, put them in a category. Once I put them in a category, here are the list of attributes I'm going to assign to them. And this is how I deal with that person. 
And I think we are socialized as creatures to live in a society based on stereotypes. So when we try to break down, let's say, racialized stereotypes or religiously, um, you know, discriminatory stereotypes or whatever, we can sort of start to break those down and, and, and people have become okay. Don't get me wrong. There's lots of people who aren't okay when we start doing that kind of stuff. But when we're talking about gender, not sex, I'm just going to delineate between gender and sex, sex, what you're born with, gender or the character, the social characteristics that you exhibit. So I would exhibit physically more masculine, stereotypically characteristics. Emotionally, though, I, I'm way more feminine than Anna is. Like I cry easier. I get emotional quicker. I, I am prone to a lot of over discussion. All of these things we have societally, by the way, created as the feminine list. Right. But nobody's really going to judge me on that. They're going to judge me on what they see. And again, I could give a crap, Dean. I say all the time, call me what you want. Just compliment my hair. Um, yeah, by the way, your hair does look specifically <laughs> incredible every time I see you doing a video in the car. And by the way, little video you did where some guy tweeted you or responded to something you said, says, why does every lesbian look like a 12 year old boy? You took him to the mat Listen. in one of quite possibly the greatest one and a half minute segments I've ever seen. That was a long time ago, too, that one. Was it really? Um, yeah, that was I think that was a while ago. Um, oh, dude, can I play it? Can I play it real quick? Yeah. I'm going to play this. Is, do I have a hat on in it? Uh, uh, Anyways, go ahead. I don't think so, but this is how you deal with haters that that love to throw a stereotype at you because, once again, we're in the stupid people pandemic. Let's watch this. Hey, John. I look at. I would love to go through this comment with you so we can really get you some understanding because you seem confused, right? I don't like confusion, and I really want to make sure I help mold your mind. Number one, John, are you asking every woman that walks by you if they're a lesbian? FYI, that's not appropriate. I don't think we should be doing that, right? So let's assume you're not, because your comment kind of makes it glaringly obvious you have absolutely no experience whatsoever. So what you're doing, John, is you're validating your preconceived notions of what the community looks like. And every time you see a person that fits that narrow stereotype, boom, they're gay. Now, can you see how that would be problematic? Pushing all of that aside, number one, are you calling me young? Thank you. I appreciate it. I work very hard. No, I don't work hard at all, but I appreciate you thinking me to be young. Number two, is it the boy thing that you're, you, you think you're insulting me with? Because I've said often, John, and please get a pen and write it down, listen and say it loud and proud. I don't care what you call me, hun, as long as you compliment my hair. That actually is newer. I have older ones there that, uh, cause that's what they come out with yeah. all the time. Um, and I think talking about, so don't so you just see a stupid person? Like I just, again, I go back to this all the time. Like it is lost between that groomer pedo, the gay stereotypes, oh, like the negative, like okay. has it, are you, I just, I just see through it like the matrix at this point where it's like, Oh, it's just a sea of code. And that code is just sure. like stupidity. Yeah. Right. But I think it goes back to look, I think it goes back to fear and it goes back to we want to know what to expect. So if we can apply whatever standard to what it is to be a woman, what it is to be a man, what it is to be this racial minority, what it is to be this religion, this whatever, it makes us it gives us the illusion of 
the world is predictable. And if the world is predictable, I know how to react. And if the world is predictable, there is less fear. There is less anxiety that I have to deal with. It is a pretense because it's absolute garbage. But the fundamental thing I think that really traverses and goes through all societies equally is this division between men and women on the whole, even though some societies do it much less than we do. But this notion that your XY chromosome or your XX chromosome, by the way, they're going to negate the other six chromosomal um, create like, you know, comparisons. But if those chromosomes actually give you the will to wear high heels and makeup and make you want to go out back and cut wood, it gives, it makes me feel safe. It makes me feel like I live in a world where I can anticipate. Yeah. I understand that. Like it's familiar. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And I'm shaking that. And I get why that's scary. I get it. And and the people that you're calling, and, you know, absolutely, I, I can call lots of people have been chosen to be stupid. But I also look at it like it is the fundamental way that they've been taught and they haven't been taught it or they don't think that there's a negative uh, association with it. They, I think a lot of people just just believe, look, this is just the way it plays out. It's the way I've been taught, but it's it's the way I see the world in many different ways. Um, and when I shake that, when I rattle that by the way I look and the way I present it and the way that I speak or by the way that kids, you know, choose pronouns and, and decide to rattle that, I think it's very disconcerting. And I don't think anybody's really going to acknowledge that it's attacking our foundational stereotype that we base every other thing on, right? And so when I do that, it makes you feel so uncomfortable Mm. that you would rather, instead of going through it and actually talking about it and pulling it apart and really- Rather get angry and ignore it. Yeah, I'd rather just negate it. Mm -hmm. And there's a whole bunch of guys, predominantly men, not that Candace Owens isn't giving her a fair shot. There's a whole bunch of these guys that are that are saying this is bullcrap. It's the red pill, the blue pill or whatever the hell pill they're taking. And they're just trying to do this and that and the other. And so there's this whole shift. uh, Guys like, you know, Jordan Peterson. Making these seemingly they're not academic arguments to prop up what we've always been taught and what those stereotypes are. And they all have validity. So when these new kids come along and tell you that you should shake your beliefs, you shouldn't because they're the ones that are confused. They're the ones that are wrong. But I'll tell you this society has always progressed to something better. I've been teaching for 21 years. And after 21 years, I see kids always getting smarter, always becoming more aware, always being better than I was raised, always being more aware and more sort of critically analytical than I ever was. Mm. And that's what I want. So if, if, if that's the progression, I'm going to listen to those kids more. And when I hear people saying crap, like, you know, make America great again, it's a beautiful tagline. It's brilliant because what it's doing is it's tapping into a sense of nostalgia when we were eight and used to ride our bikes until nine o'clock at night and come home when the lights went off and played on metal slides and everything was glorious and amazing. Yeah, we were better then. 
We were better than when we espoused those values and didn't understand any parts of progressivism and we're not confused by it. Yes, we were better when we were eight years old and had no idea what was going on in the world. And I'm going to tap into that nostalgia. Nostalgia is a dangerous thing. I'm going to tap into that nostalgia, that sense of perfection that we have a memory of. And I'm going to tell everybody I am going to rebuild that. But not in any real way, you know, because when you go back to your childhood and when you go back to all of the things that you had, look, they were cool. But let's be honest, Atari doesn't hold a candle to video games today. Yeah. And smoking's now bad for you, by the way. Just want to let you know. All the way to Florida (laughs) while I was in the car with her. Right. Racism in the 80s and what went on in in Watts, L.A. and what went on horrible all of this stuff was horrible even though i love the fashion but let's be aware of what we're tapping into we're tapping into a feeling not a reality and the feeling has more to do with what i wasn't aware of rather than rather than you know the cool bmx bike i got when i was 10. yeah yeah and, and that is you encapsulate that beautifully right is that you know we can we can lean into the kind of person that doesn't want to progress or doesn't want to educate themselves or doesn't want to understand something um and there are different communities that feed into that ignorance right but generally speaking to want to remain ignorant you want to remain ignorant for a reason and a lot of those people that want to remain ignorant and want those stereotypes to still be that comfortable furniture that they don't have to move around, right? They don't have to understand anything. They don't have to stretch. They don't have to open up their mind to the idea. I might be wrong because yeah. for a lot of those people, and I'll tell you where it comes comes from, and I'll tell you where it comes from because I lived it. It comes from uh, one lineage of Abrahamic faith, right? Muslims. Christians. Now, there are a lot of different denominations in those Abrahamic faiths, but those Abrahamic faiths literally stand in contrast scripturally and biblically to any kind of progressive academic attitude. They have to. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And so and so I get a kick out of the gilded arguments that they make for why they want the laws and policies that they want, including this individual education plan, this IEP for their children, where you wipe out evolution, right? Uh, family planning, like right. the idea that that there was 7,000 years ago that God just snapped his finger seven days. Uh, here we are. Um, evolution, gender studies, ideology, anything to do with psychology or science. Like legitimately from that perspective. And I know it because I lived it, Joe. Like I lived it. I remember walking into university. This is a true story. University of Calgary. Into my first anthro class. My very first anthro class where they were talking about Neanderthalensis and the different stages of humanoids throughout the history. And I'm like, what the fuck? Where did this come from? (laughs) And I mean, I was very well aware that I was taught this creationist history. But I was opened up to philosophy, world religions. And through that process, through the process of education, I arrived at the idea that my parents had put me in a cult from the age of nine till I was like 18 years old. And I arrived there in a in militant fashion where I was like, you've got to be kidding me, because here's the danger. Right. When you want to keep your children ignorant, I had absolutely no tools to understand the world around like not one i didn't understand what was going on at school all this information was new to me i developed resentment for where i was from 
I'm like, wait a second. There's alcohol at parties. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there is. Wait a second. You can have premarital sex. Yeah, totally. You can do whatever you want. It's called free will. Wait a second. I don't understand science from a first grade perspective because of what I was taught at a private Christian high school in Three Hills, Alberta. And they're like, yeah, you are literally so unprepared when you come out of any of those faiths, whether you're educated in those schools and those schools are just another way to kettle your children into believing something that is academically wrong, like wrong, intellectually dishonest at the very least. And so when your kid gets out, you've handicapped that child into not being able to deal with the horrors of this world, which I happen to think are beautiful learning experiences. They just think, my God, I can't deal with this. And do you know how many people I know from high school that have either turned their back on faith? And by the way, to believe in to believe in faith, faith is literally if you look at the Oxford Dictionary term faith, faith is the belief in something that you systemically cannot prove at all. It's like, and it's hilarious because you just need to go to the dictionary to look at one word to go, why do they call it faith? Well, because you can't prove any of it. And because you can't prove it, you've got these people believing in these magic fairy tales and these stereotypes that are so hateful and hurtful that have now turned into movements that are literally governing policies in some provinces. There's my problem. My, I have zero, well, I look, I, I do have some problem with controlling your kids and not allowing them access to information. I do have a problem with that, but you know, what's the great equalizer is the internet. So good luck trying. Um, and, and also I know a lot of people of many different faiths who are highly educated, want their kids to be highly educated, understanding that religious texts aren't necessarily literal bastions of how they should live in this world. And there are these lovely guiding principles that they have this connection to a higher power. And I hear those people speak and I'm like, even though I don't have those feelings, it is beautiful to hear because they're doing it intelligently. Um, my problem is when you use something that is faith-based, and I try to be respectful when I say that, rather than calling it a you know a fairy tale. I mean, some people get a little bit more uh, hard-lined about it, but you use something like that to then dictate political, economic, social, educational policy. Now I have a problem. When you start telling me that gender being fluid is a, you know, a creation in my mind and a delusion and you're doing it from a religious standpoint, I try so incredibly hard not to turn the table and say, delusion? You're... If you're going to talk about me being delusional, I, and I, so I don't ever even engage in that because I still want to be respectful of people's beliefs, but don't talk to me about fact and science when you're using that as your template to construct an argument. If you want to construct an argument, go ahead and construct one, but you can't do it living in that world and then pulling sources from um, spiritual text. That Mm. doesn't make any sense to me. That would be like me just choosing a book that I happen to believe in and pulling it as fact. Well, that's not, that's not how we can run a secular society. Now, if you want to run, uh, you know, a theocracy, that's a different kettle of fish. I mean, I'm not on side with that. We don't live in one here. So I think it's absolutely insane to apply it. I also have a big problem. If we're going to have freedom of religion, we need freedom from religion. And my kids hate it when I say this. I love Christmas. Don't get me wrong. Love it. I love it. I love all the You're presents. a big holiday person because you went all out for Halloween this year, too. You had a couple I mean, outfits. My yeah. house is already decorated for Christmas. 
on the 31st night, Anna starts tearing everything down from Halloween. And as of yesterday, everything's up for Christmas. I love it. It's my only problem with you, by the way, is that you go, you leap from Halloween right into Christmas. It's an issue we're going to have in our friendship. Because of Remembrance Day? Yeah. Listen, I don't think that the soldiers who fought in World War II give an absolute crap about when I put up my Christmas decorations. You know what they would give a crap about is if the government would fund veteran affairs and actually mental health and health care regiments properly. And I'm right. behind that. So yeah. stop talking to me about my Christmas decorations. Okay, sorry. <laughs> but anyway, well, yeah. but my point is that I love Christmas. Mm-hmm. Would I understand if my government tomorrow said, listen, we've been pretty religiously focused in how we give holidays and how we stipulated days off and what has to happen. And it's all based still on Christianity. We get, you know, time off at Christmas. We get time off at Easter. Those are still religious holidays that our national government has stipulated. That's what we get. So when I say that we're a fully secular society, that's a lie. You and I grew up when Sunday, you couldn't open your business on a Sunday. No, couldn't go shopping on Sunday because it was the Lord's Day. Right? It was illegal. It was illegal. It was a law. Do you know how much shopping I missed out on? Because we stipulated that Sunday is the day you're closed. So if you're Muslim or Jewish and Saturday is your day of rest, you have two choices in this secular country. You either negate your faith and your traditions or you go shopping. Yeah. Or you open up your store and go shopping and do whatever. So your business doesn't fail. We actually created circumstance under which we put different religions and different beliefs. And by the way, everybody else who was actually secular or agnostic, we limited what they could do and when they could do it based on a religious principle. Well, we still do that. Um, but I would have no problem challenging that because that makes sense. Now, again, mm-hmm. my kids hate me because no matter what religion they are, they want two weeks off at Christmas. Sure. And they like the four days at Easter. Um, but those are the things that we still have to challenge. So when I say I want freedom of and freedom from, it means freedom from Danielle Smith talking about it. I don't ever want to hear anyone's thoughts and prayers. No, thank you. Have a nice day. Do something, right? I want my politicians to do something. I have a good friend of mine who's a, has always been a very, very devout Christian from when we were kids. And she would always talk to me about her faith. And she'd always start with, Joanna, I know you don't believe in this, but can I just tell you what, what happened to me the other day? Or can I just, and I, I always say, yeah. And we still, to this day, we still talk about it. But her, the beauty with which she talks about her faith and, and the education she's given her kids and she has and the acceptance and, and all of the other things she has in her world um, t- makes me want to go, maybe she has something here because she talks about it which, with such basic humanity and beauty that includes things like take care of everybody, love everybody the way you, you want to love your family do the best you can be the best person you can in this world, regardless of what gets to happen to you after we're all done said and done here. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to listen to that, but, you know. but, but hold it. Like everybody does. I think if you go back to the origin story of the Muslim faith, if you go back to the origin story, Beautiful. the teachings, they were philosophers. Jesus was a philosopher. Muhammad Beautiful. was a philosopher. And it was all about the golden rule and giving of yourself and all those things. 
And over a couple of thousand years, some smart people decided, hey, listen, we could change yeah. a couple of things, torque a few things, and we can legitimately militarize yeah. groups of stupid people into giving us money, joining our armies and protecting us so we can live in our castles and we can continue to be these people. And it is no different with governance today. It is literally no difference. It's what we have seen. It is what you fight with your educational piece. It's the stuff that I actually have fun with now, because if you have an understanding and it's, and it's crazy because anytime you, you point something out and I see this a lot in replies to your content and replies to our content from time to time, it's you just think you're better than us, right? Because you, you just said some smart stuff. You just like, you just, you just blew holes in our, well, you just think you're better than us. Right. And I'm like, and, and now I'm at the point where I'm like, as a matter of fact, not only do I think I am, I happen to know I am. And I like that. I like knowing that, that this is what we're dealing with because it's a lot easier to deal with people who have taken man's word for it, that this is the, this is the theocratic way that you should live for us because we need to drive a result, whether it be in business or politics. And that's what they get centered around. You talk about the, and they're always connected. Oh, but you talk about the fact that we used to not be able to shop on Sundays. So sad. Well, why did they, why did they end that? They ended that, you know, it was like the Lord's day. We observed it for a couple hundred years until everybody was like, listen, we need to make some money. So can we like, all right, we'll Well, ignore that one. Equalizer, isn't it? Isn't it the great equalizer? Always. When I teach world religion, so there's a grade 11 course in the uh, curriculum, and I teach the 12 major religions, realizing Mm -hmm. there's many different offshoots. Um, And I always get to the end every single year. I and my whole class will look at me and go, did we just study the same religion 12 different times? Because when you study it without, right, when you study it without, let's say, and, and I do the cultural and I do the, the sociological, we do all those um, sort of add-ons as well. But when you study the principles mm-hmm. and the main ideas and the motive, they're like, it's Joe, it's really hard to distinguish between now the way they get played out in this world looks like, you know, an absolute dis- disaster, but the fundamental principles and what we're talking about, see, we just studied the same 12 religions um, for an entire semester. I said, well, that's why you should have got an A on that exam, right? Because let's be <laughs> honest, that is the case. Yeah. And so, and and the last religion we study is something called the Baha'i faith. And the Baha'i faith uh, establishes that every religion is this is part of the same end result. It just depends on what time, context, culture, and place you were born into. And so you're going to experience your faith or the, a religion in that context, in that time. But once you follow it to its end, we all end up at the same place because they're all just reflections of what we knew at the time, what we had access to the time, who was in power at the time. And, and that kind of reflection on man is a little bit different. And, and I know that Muslims will, will argue this with me. And I've had some great conversations with people of, uh, within that faith. Um, because they will talk about how the Quran is a literal, it's a literal text, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have a good, I have a good time talking about that as well. But at the end of the day, it's still a reflection. Muhammad was a philosopher at a time, and it was a reflection of this inherent war and polytheism and everything that was, let's say, driving communities apart. And his job 
primary job, ironically speaking of shopping on Sundays, was to establish business practices that were ethical and just within a region in order to bind that region together, put us all on the same page so we could all ethically do business with each other. Because if we could do that, we could live together. And if we could live together, we'd have a stronger society, more people would live, less people would die in war. It's a very, it makes sense. Pretty simple. Right? Yeah. So yeah, I like to have a lot of those conversations. Why? Well, and, and you and not many other people. I dig it. I mean, you know, you can't get it. I, I couldn't coax my girlfriend into one of these conversations where I'm like, hey, can we talk about polytheism? She's like, no, I don't want to talk about any of that stuff. No, but it, it's driving, literally driving a hatred, you know, the well, stereotypes, the, the yeah. hatred, the exclusionary thinking, the exclusionary policies. And it's not. You know, and, and to say this, you know, it's un-American is, is a lie because America was founded on really Christian national values. 100%. Canada, very, very similar, very Christian national colonial theocratic values. But we're better than this. My theory is, is that, hey, listen, if I can spend a lifetime learning, everybody else can. If you exactly. can challenge your stereotypes. Everybody sure. else can. If you can educate yourself as to what someone else is going through. And it was interesting. Because when it comes to this issue, when it comes to the issue of educating people as to whether it be gender studies, even, you know, political studies, my whole I, my, my, my whole being is governed by one statement is, are you of good character and are you doing acts for the common good? Yeah. People of good character will take the time to listen to where someone's coming from, provided that that's a decent conversation, provided that I'm in it to learn from you, provided right. I'm in it to smash my beliefs and stereotypes. But if you're unwilling to do that, like if you're unwilling to upgrade, level up when it comes to what you know, by and large, right. I go back to that same thing, which is like I hunger to be right. I don't hunger to be wrong and ignorant. And to, and to have that as your prevailing attitude when it comes to education or the education of your children, you're, you're abu it's abuse. You're yep. abusing yourself. You're abusing your children. You're setting yourself and everybody up for this incredible failure, this emotional failure where you go into the world and you are not only not prepared to have a conversation with anybody, you're going to get angry because, as you point out, something new is just incredibly uncomfortable. And you don't know how to manage it because you and don't have it. the brain power or the function to do it. And, and with I think it's coupled with... The discomfort we feel when we shake, when we rattle those fundamental principles is coupled with how fast today's world is changing. Mm -hmm. the, the introduction of the internet and smartphones and all of this stuff, I, because I, I, I've, I've talked through it, right? And it's amazing and astounding and it shakes everything and it changes everything at such a high progressive rate that it makes us all terrified anxious because we don't like change and we don't want there to be change. And my dad used to talk about working at the same company for 30 years, getting a gold watch, retiring with a full pension and all of those things that don't exist anymore because everything is constantly in flux. And now with AI and all of the different things we have on that capacity, people are just rattled with so much change that they're trying to hold on to. And this is where we go back to gender. We go back to controlling education they want to feel like they can control something. And if the only thing they can control, which they can't, but they think they can control mm. are their kids, mm -hmm. then they they're can. going to grab on with both hands and, and just stranglehold it until they watch it slip through their fingers as it will. 
Because again, it's not me that's progressing society at this rate. It's not me that's really in the heads of, of students. I would love to be there. It is the access point that they have on TikTok and Instagram and Twitter and YouTube and going to blogs and vlogs in different countries all around the world. And I teach in a classroom with kids from about seven different countries who all have different perceptions, different language base, different types of government. And then they're all talking to each other. That's it. Mm. It, it will be changed. There's no way around it. Oh, you can't, you can't like, stop it. You know, and, and it's funny. You talk about change being of, of, of extreme importance. And I'm a big fan of philosophy. I study philosophy. Uh, my goal in life is to be a sage in the stoic philosophy uh, arena. I, I, you know, it's, it, it is about what you can't control. You talk about change and control. And these are two of the biggest modicums in that, in that philosophy. It's like, you know, the, your chief task in life is to know what you control and know what you do not. Sure. Number one, right? You're going to drive yourself crazy trying to affect change in areas you can't control, but you're only going to advance yourself. You're only going to get better by knowing what you do control and getting busy on that. And it's one thing. It's your mind and your intentions, and that's pretty that's much it. it. That's result, all you can control. Totally. You can't, that's and there, the result cannot be changed. Mm -hmm. you, the result will be what it is. Mm -hmm. The only thing you can do to control that outcome is to do your best, is to give it your best. And your best includes being brighter and smarter and learning sure. about it. Every day. And, and change. And it's funny how we have this these, sec, these not secular groups that are ready for change. I think everybody struggles with change. Yeah, but it is legitimately the one constant in all of our lives. Constant. And we don't fucking embrace it. Whoa. Marcus Aurelius said exhausting. the only reason no. exhausting because we're trying to stop it all the time. Totally. And my man Marcus right. Aurelius said frightened of change, but what can exist without it? What's closer to nature's heart than change? Can you take a hot bath and leave the firewood as it would eat food without transforming it? Can any vital process take place without something being changed? No, Nothing. no. And the fear of that change not only the fear, the righteous indignation, or you let's draw this, let's bring it all the way back and put a bow on it and then go do your yeah. podcast. Yes. The righteous indignation and the fear of change is the promotion of ignorance. Yeah. And that is why we are here. And it's and it's futile. It is futile to say, uh, you know what, we're not changing. Yeah. And it is futile to say that you don't want to bother trying to figure out what that change means because it's gonna happen. Yeah. And it happens every day. We're just seeing this pushback, as you pointed out, when progressivism takes hold. And there are different kinds of progressivism. And there are parts of progressivism where I'm like, you know what? You can shove it. I don't hey, need that progressive. talk about that on my podcast. I All right. Let's talk about that on your podcast. Uh, Unlearn 16 tweet. Uh, TikTok, Twitter, Joanna Johnson, teacher, educator, advocate. Um, I can't tell you how much it is meant to me to have you on for an hour oh, and 20 thank minutes. So thank you so much. For we're going to go through a whole part two on, on learn 16 classes in session. Cause I got some questions about your past. Let's be honest. All right. And, and we're going to, we're going to jump into all of this political correctness uh, that we now live in. And what does that mean? And where do we get to draw the lines if we get to draw any? So we're going from here to unlearn 16 school is in session uh, right now. This drops Monday, right? Yeah, this drops, drops Monday. Monday. It's going to be Monday. If you're listening, this is on a Monday. Tuesday morning. Tuesday morning. Where can people get a hold of your podcast? Anywhere, Anywhere you, get your you listen. But there if you, you want to watch it, it's up on YouTube. Okay. And the name of it again, just so um, I don't butcher it. Unlearn 16 class is in session. 
Okay, we're going to take a short recess right now. Funny. I'm going to go outside, hang out with my friends, play tug of war, and eat some jujubes. All right. And we're going to come so back in. I'm going to change my boots because you All can't right. go in the mud room with your boots. You can't. You got to leave them there. And then I'm going to head back into class with you Fantastic. right now. Joanna Johnson, always a pleasure. Great thanks to interact so with you verbally. Great to interact with you personally. And thanks for your uh, thanks for your chops today. It was fun. Absolutely. We'll see you okay. soon. You got it. I'll we'll talk to you soon. I'm Andrea Askowitz. And I'm Allison Langer. And we are the hosts of Writing Class Radio, a podcast, but we are so much more. We have writing classes. So if you are looking for live online classes where you can join a community, write to a prompt, get feedback, and get better, check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com. And listen to our podcasts wherever you get your podcasts and at writingclassradio.com. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network.